Oh, shit. Speaking <laughs> of my pen, do I, need, do I need my pen or not? Is what I'm wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the fight, guys. Here, as always, with Big Papa E holding it down in the city. We got Chaney on the sticks picking up all sorts of rips all over the place, making some money over the last weekend. It was a tough fight night overall. If you want to know what we were thinking about that, you better go over to the fight to the round table to get Chaney's and the MMA Mark's his opinion because I fell out. I was done. <laughs> <laughs> Kavilio Chukagian, if you want, if you have an insomnia, put that fight back on. It'll cure it real quick. <laughs> but I woke up at 3 a.m. with my cat on my at my feet. <laughs> I didn't mind that fight at all. Well, it was boring as fuck, but it went exactly how I was thought. It's like, is Trukagian a better point fighter than Cavillo is a wrestler? Hell yeah, she is. Hell yeah, she is. And Cavillo is just not UFC caliber, you guys. Get her out of your picks. The same way you guys yell at me about people that you're like, every Khabib's always going to win. Stop it. Stop it. That's how I feel with Cavillo. She isn't going to beat anyone. That's it. <laughs> if she beats people, it's people that you're like, they're not UFC caliber either. Definitely. She's fighting a high-level fighter in Chukagian that I let the uh, exterior narrative kind of sway me a little bit. And I think that blinded me a little more to as to it. Because Chukagian, as you're saying, great point fighter. But as much as in Mike Perry, we were saying he was a head case. And that came out to be true. And it worked you out for us. You were 100%. No, I went with Mike Perry. You were 100% with. Uh, yeah, you were 100% dead on. And that's exactly what that fight looked like. True. So two underdogs, two underdogs coming through. If you're listening to the fight, guys, that's a couple you can bet on right there. There was some massive upsets as well. It was an interesting uh, fight night overall. The main event was pretty quick. Figueredo got turned around in a matter of hours to fight Brendan Moreno in a really, really interesting uh, shoulder dislocation win over Brandon Royval. That was fun. People are saying they should run that back. And I just felt like Moreno was handling that mm -hmm. fight everywhere. Dominating it. Absolutely dominating it uh, completely. Roy Val, hey, I'm 100% right now. I've picked him as an underdog twice, stayed away from him the third time. And he is going to be a fun, really interesting. Uh, he's kind of a Tony Ferguson light where he just kind of comes at you. But the fact that his shoulder came out like that and they dealt with it the way they did, I've known guys that have tricky shoulders like that, that injury is going to come up again. Again and That's again a, and again. I know correct. dudes that get that dislocated shoulder for everything. Like we're camping and all of a sudden it's like, ah, ah, exactly. just hit it back in. Just push on it. And I'm like, I don't want right. to push on it. Like, <laughs> right. Like you'll be picking up a They're ball. They're banging the into a tree. Like, exactly. Like, oh. So his whole team knew about it. Nobody was freaked. Everybody was like, dang it, it's out. So those muscles in that shoulder and rotator cuff are completely just loose. And it'll be an ongoing injury for the rest of his life. But still has many fights to win. You know Brandon what, though, Moreno I, being the number two there. You're so right, though. I love Roy Velt. The one thing is, is and I mean, if you listen back to every single fucking episode of our show from the beginning <laughs> for four years, Brandon Moreno is just the dude, you guys. He's just the dude. Like, he's doing everything right. Look back at all his fight tape. 
everything's a progression toward that mm-hmm. belt, toward being a champion. Brandon Moreno is the real deal. Hey, when you got Chito Vera in your corner. Chito is Brandon Moreno of that weight division to me. They're the same what? person. They have the same place in my heart. Iron sharpens iron, they say sometimes. That's so. what you say. I don't know if it's military or being a twin <laughs> or having all brothers, but I oh, yeah. I say it and I say my friend E always says, but I always have to like, what metal is it? Oh, iron. <laughs> aluminum absolutely, sharpens aluminum. Absolutely. I have to turn off this light. I have to swap lights out. I'll be right back. So, uh, really, really a great fight night that we ended up having over the weekend. Some interesting, as we were saying, dynamics. Moreno now being the number one contender, they're going to play that back on a stack. Is it pay-per-view potentially uh, with Figgy going to be there for Moreno for the number one spot in December? It could be 19th or 23rd. There's a little group of that holiday or that Christmas kind of break area where there's like three weeks of massive cards where it's implications everywhere. I mean, it's hard to do some tape study for this because I'm like hearing freaking amazing fights being signed. Tony Ferguson versus who do you end up finally getting? Mm. I don't know. Charles Oliveira. Oh, yeah. Charles Oliveira versus Tony Ferguson is like the fight of the year I never knew I wanted. Exactly. Absolutely. It's so, so much fun. And Chandler's over there with his thumb in his butt turning down fights being a freaking jackass. So people are going to pass him by. Uh, He turned down that fight with Tony Ferguson. And by the time Chandler wanted that fight with T-Ferg, he had already been like, I already got another fight. Like, I'm not going to play this back and forth. It's not worth it for T-Ferg via what I heard of those. And Tony Ferguson, I'm going to tell you now. It is going to be so hard for Charles Oliveira to get a fight after Tony Ferguson. I, I think I love Tony Ferguson. He's in my top 10. Charles Oliveira is everything. He did it almost in the opposite way of technique, but coming through, I love – he's my guy. That I don't mind being the guy to change spots with Tony and taking that rung. He's the same – he would have been my like second place of person that I thought could have beat Khabib. Just styles I make just, fights, not anything to do with. I agree. I think definitely the progression we've seen with Oliveira there nonstop, just the most interesting uh, background or narrative in that fight specifically is somebody who's gotten over being mentally weak a little bit, which we were talking about with Oliveira, against possibly the strongest mental fighter in the division. So, I mean, Tony... Ferguson breaks you in there and we've seen Oliveira break before. So it's just that like really interesting dynamic technique wise. Oliveira is super nasty, not only striking, but on the ground. So unbelievable matchmaking tons. Who do you of have that, that right now? I want to say Tony Ferguson because it's a five rounder and four or five after he breaks Oliveira a little bit, but I mean, Oliveira is gnarly super gnarly on the ground he has one time submission he has like calf slice first calf slicers like high up uh, just i hate that i'm saying this but i really think charles olive it's i think this is the first time i may pick against tony ferguson well he got a he had a pretty good thrashing last time out so you know i think that leaves a uh 
taste in people's mouths as far as like, okay, he is human. I know it'll bet up our uh, betting odds because otherwise he would have been a hella favorite. He would have, exactly. That definitely neared that line a whole lot better, but absolute killers matchup that we have there. But here on this night, here in Vegas, 11, or 15, I mean, 11, what am I? I'm over here seeing doubles. Uh, We got... (laughs) <laughs> an 11 card bout it has been dwindled down though there's been some fights that have been a uh, short notice replacements with uh goodzimov woodson and Zumagulov and uh, amir abazi ended up all falling out and being canceled move over to other cards so Derek lewis is headlining this one with curtis blades Really interesting heavyweight matchup. Definitely title implications involved in here. But we got 11, well, 10 prior to this that we got to get to beforehand. And holy fight card. This one's going to be a rough one. There's some really close fights, but not for any good reasons. And it starts off at 135 pounds where Nate Manis comes in against Luke Saunders. Cool hand, Luke is a longtime UFC veteran. The 13-3 and fighter is coming off of a win to Henan Barrow, TKO, over a year ago. Lost to Haniyaya in a fight he was winning, clearly beat Patrick Williams in a decision, but was beat by Sohanfath via TKO and Nibard by Alcantara. Kuhan Luke is a D1 wrestler, transitioned over, high-level black belt on the ground. Definitely um, uses a lot of forward pressure, good double legs tight waist will really grind you out hold more position over submission over on you but is more than happy with getting a decision the thing with luke is that his chin has started to be a little tested well a while ago it was and so Hamthath, who hasn't been able to knock out too many fighters just got him out of there pretty quickly sanders's chin and his fight iq that knee bar as well for um alcantara Luke was winning that fight 29-28 in the third, easily going for a 30-27, and just gave up the leg. Didn't know the position, ended up getting submitted, and I feel like the Yaya fight was a lot of the same. He used his wrestling in reverse to keep it uh, off of the ground and ended up, uh, Yaya dove for those legs and ended up getting that heel hook. So Saunders not only has got a bit of a weak chin, but also has some submission holes that he really needs to be working on. Manson coming in with a 12-1 and record's only loss prior to the UFC was to Taylor Lapolis, a former UFC fighter, came in, beat Johnny Munoz Jr. in a decision. Manis tends to be a grappler mainly as well, more of a jiu-jitsu-based fighter, not as good at takedowns, really swings overhand punches to get to the clinches and get back on the ground. And that makes it a little tough here. He's going to be four inches taller then cool hand luke sanders but the wrestling sanders is going to have a big advantage even at distance i think sanders moves in uh and out a lot better than manis who just again swings to try to grab you to get you to the ground his shots are going to be coming in against some good hips so it's going to be hard for manis to get it to the ground if he wants to but if he gets it there he definitely has an option of submitting luke sanders he's that level of black belt on the ground it's just whether he can get it there or not I'm going to go a little bit freaky. I'm going to get a little bit wild. And I actually am going to be fading Luke Sanders' um, submission. I think he stuffs all of Madsen's takedowns in the first round. And then Manis is just like, all I can do is swing. So doesn't matter because he's going to, regardless, even if it gets taken down, Manis 
will be off of his back and be better than trying to strike. So I got a TKO round number two. I think it's a disgusting, ugly KO finish. Give me the near even underdog minus 105. Man is here for the win. Big fat stay away as far as a real live bet because this is this is pretty low down there as far as UFC global I, guys. What do you think about this? One? I agree with you everywhere. And I it's not because I know so much about Manus, but it's just what I do know about Luke. I also don't like the time frame that he took off between his last fight. It's making me think he's really looking for that desperate um, COVID paycheck. And if somebody has hunger in there and somebody else is just collecting a check, I'm going to go with the guy that has, you know, wants the UFC career. And I don't think it's Luke at this point. So give me whoever the other guy is, but I'm going to stay away from it. <laughs> Man, it's definitely on DraftKings. 8,400 for Sanders, the slight favorite at minus 110. Against Manis is minus 105, 7,800. I have a finish. So... A lot of people are going to probably stay away from this one because it's really likely to probably go to a decision. If it goes to a decision, these guys are worthless. Uh, if there's a finish, yeah, I don't know. Definitely just stay away from it. It's now There's going to be a lot of stayaways throughout this night. There's going to be a lot of pay-per-views. So many easier calls to make instead of that one. At 125 pounds, we have returning to Munjeri coming in against... Malcolm Gordon, Gordon being 12 and 4, long in the Canada scene. He's a black belt coming out of the adrenaline MMA, lost to Amir Albazi, who got taken off of the start earlier this week off a triangle choke where Albazi wasn't the black belt. I mean, I think maybe a brown belt, but Malcolm been a long time reigning black belt over there in Canada. And a lot of people know his credentials, but I came in betting Gordon thinking that that was going to end up showing out and a lot of happened what happens on the regional scene Gordon also's chin is a little bit testy he doesn't go completely stiff out but Gordon turns into a baby giraffe very quickly a couple shots even when he's on the fence side shots his legs and he has really long legs they just kind of start to wobble and get everywhere and then once he gets to the ground again just doesn't really wrap up the position and put himself into a good place right away. He just kind of gives up position. So coming in against Sue Munjeri in here, the 12 and four fighter as well. He's coming off of a big win uh, to Sohamtath in a decision a year ago. But prior to that, lost to Louis Smoke in an armbar, uh, also losing to a choke to Ma. But the Mahachkala fighter is over there training at Tiger Muay Thai. And uh, who did I see? I think it was one of the Gulavs. I saw him in a picture with recently before he arrived at the <laughs> performance center. I believe it was either Sunday or Monday of this week. I saw him long, long is this young man at five foot eight. So is uh, Gordon for that matter at five, seven. These guys are super lean in there, but definitely Munjeri likes to take it to the ground. He's, is from China, but he's been training with, again, all of those Mahachkala guys. He's been out there wrestling and grinding, and he likes to use his wrestling in a lot of fights to get that position, but he will go for those submissions. He likes the ground and pound from the top, and it's that age-old adage where, you know, you hit a black belt once, he turns into a purple belt, hit him again, it's a brown. I got those switched around, but so on and so forth. And Mujeri's training with the right type of guys in here. I do think that even if it doesn't, 
If he doesn't win, I think Munjeri can rack up a lot of points with just his volume in general. Uh, he tends to just have a much, much higher pace. So give me Munjeri, TKO round number two as well. I think Gordon just kind of gets ragdolled a lot in this fight and gives up the fight. Who do you think you're taking in this one? I'm going to go with Gordon. I just think his he has sneaky submissions, and it looks to me, I know little about the other dude, but that he has holes in his submission game. So I think Gordon has been in there enough times in the UFC uh, caliber octagon uh, to know what he's getting into. Oh, it's only once? Why do I feel like I've seen this guy a thousand times? Um, I don't know. I'm going to go with Gordon's submission round two. <laughs> I'm going to stay away from this fight. I thought this was a whole different Gordon. <laughs> not, I thought it was not Truck Gordon. Jared Gordon. Jared Gordon. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, oh, That's this guy's fought in the UFC a bunch. I've seen his yeah. face before. Perf. I don't even know he's who this like other it. guy is. He's like an Eve Edwards looking guy in there. Uh, also, with Gordon, I believe a lot of knee issues, a lot of surgeries that have held him out on the regional scene as well. But on DraftKings, the big, one of the biggest favorites of the entire night, Sumun Jerry in here, 9,100 against Gordon, 7,100. I'm going to, I should probably just stay away from that one as well, but I'll go 10% Moon Jerry. I don't think I can put Gordon in any spot. Uh, it's, it's a fight night through overall that, Hey, I think dogs have spots. I do think that there's some weird ranges in here uh, throughout the night, but overall, again, it's like, eh, there's many fights around the corner with people that we actually know many a times. And this is another one where we're going to have a really low type of, not only tape, but experience in the UFC with Kai Kamaka the third coming in on short notice to fight Jonathan Pierce. Pierce was initially set to fight Woodson, which we love here, but you know, that cat's out of the bag. A lot of people coming in and talking about all this good Woodson stuff. But Kamaka being eight and two, also one of the biggest favorites of the night, coming in and beating Tony Kelly in a decision three months ago. He's an LFA standout, has been able to go five, uh, trains with the 808, who are those guys? Freaking Max Holloway, Ali Islanders, all that. It is about eight days notice, seven days notice for Kamaka. So he comes in thinking he's going to be a little bit to be worried about it on the gas thing. <laughs> it's all good. But Jonathan Pierce Sorry. <laughs> is a nine and four fighter who came in a year ago and lost to Joe Lozon on short notice horribly going back and watching that the contender series standout ended up just getting hit with the right hand put in on back and then pierce's shoulder was literally turned his elbow was so far back on the other side of his shoulder his shoulder pinched like when you see an arm that bows on an arm bar you know how the the elbow bends the other way and you're like oh that the skin looks weird yeah that's what his shoulder looked like i have never seen it like that so really interested i didn't see anything from pierce saying he'd suffered any big damage but he has been out for over a year so pierce likes to wrestle saw some of his regional stuff he's training in tennessee with a bunch of local guys I know it says he's at the MMA lab, but recently it looks like the quarantine has kept him more at home. I mean, I couldn't name anyone in the photos that I saw with Pierce. Um, so all I got to think is he's got a good training camp. He's 28 years old and he's got a long or inch and a half reach, two inches reach, six foot fighter who 
has a good jab on the regional scene. Joe Lozon got right through with a big overhand right and tends to just outgrapple most of his opponents. And that's what Kai Kamaka does with his wrestling credentials as well. Been able to go a heavy three uh, lands with, with tons of power, but is not worried about going to decision using those takedowns to just kind of outposition you. And I think that that just turns into a big wrestling match more than anything, especially once Kai really starts to feel it, which he did even in his last fight. He's a good first round fighter. Okay, second does start to hold on, but he just shoots and grabs those legs and pulls your legs out from under you and sits on top. So uh, give me a decision here. This, though, as far as this big of a favorite, on this shorter notice, I can't trust Kai as much as most betters. I'm not going to be putting Kai in my um, parlays. A lot of people just see that big money and are like, set. Nah, 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 nah. These guys are definitely meeting each other at the right time because they're both so fresh in the UFC and they're both young men, but it makes them a much more, more competitive because we haven't seen enough from either one of these guys. So if you like the dog, definitely play him because he's got a shot. Pierce has got a shot here, especially with those gas tank issues I've seen in Kamaka. Who do you think you're taking in this one? Uh, I'm going to go with Kamaka decision as well. I don't know how heavy I'm going to, I don't, I probably won't even bet it once. Uh, I don't know enough about either of these fighters yet. And the heavy favorite to me when the guys are this new doesn't really mean anything. It is just a fight. It's yeah. just going to be for fight sake. Absolutely. They're going to get multiple fights in there, uh, even if it's a loss for Pierce. Then we have the standout fight of the night potential. This one is all sorts of greasy. You know the tape got long. Long in the tooth. Rachel Ostovich coming out. <laughs> oh, shit. Gina. I didn't even know this bitch by night. <laughs> Gina Mazan, Danger Mazani, oh, Tim Elliott's fiance in there. It came into the UFC. After if you had your choice between of, one of the two of these girls, who would you pick? By far, Ostovich, but I don't think I'm the only one. But Mazani ain't ugly. Mazani's actually got some good IG picks, some good old booty shots out there. You should definitely check them out. She ain't no Ostovich freaking. It's hard to be an Ostovich. I mean, the OnlyFans, as soon as she gets released from the UFC, is going to be lit. She's going to be making a lot more money and not getting punched in the face. I guarantee you that. But this all plays into that. Because she can charge more money in the long run, so <laughs> I just got—I just thought it was funny. What about if, um, the fight guys? We run tournaments where we have ex-female fighters come in and we interview them, and then I jello wrestle them. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a part of that. How do I get in on the jello? Is what I'm just saying. <laughs> Doesn't it seem so much easier for me to be like, uh, okay, and then let's see what you got <laughs> than you. <laughs> Yes, yes, but me being selfish, I want to get I in know. there for sure. It's, such a, it's <laughs> one of the small benefits to being a lesbian. <laughs> I can do <laughs> jello wrestling tournaments with Ostevich. <laughs> so, in here, um, the resurrection of Mazani came in when she got asked back after she beat a 48-year-old grandmother, uh, decisively going back and watching that Mazani win unbelievable that that got matched up together and so julia avila i mean julia avila looks so good that we all thought she was a title contender she beat the daylights out of mazani so bad everybody was like oh 
Avila is going to make a run for it. But no, it's just how bad Gina Mazzani is. She does not really shoot in well for takedowns. She tends to be more of the grappler, but she gives up a ton of position. Her strikes are really looping and uh, reaching, and she just doesn't have any head movement. She gets hit all the time in that nose. Um, definitely shies away and will even give up overall. She tends to wilt a little bit once people really start to push on her. So Mazzani just super low-level fighter. And against Ostovich, who's a four and five fighter, I mean, we know why she's been keeping a contract. She last came in and lost to the Paige Van Zandt a year ago. Prior to that, she lost to Rosa, beating a fighter that's no longer in there, losing to Hachek as well. Tends to be a submission grappler. It's really, the stylistics, it's a boxer wrestler with Mazzani who doesn't have boxing, just kind of anti-wrestling. And Ostovich is just jujitsu game because Ostovich comes in reaching as well, doesn't move her head anywhere, uh, throws very pitter-pattery shots. It's just to get to the ground. But where Ostovich here, she actually has solid takedowns. It's only one or two. She shoots a single leg, and she does that outside stepping knee trip that I tell any lady that's doing that, I'm like, Yes, bet that lady because that's a mechanics move that, for whatever reason, just always you'll see it. She'll trap it, but Ostovich loves that. So trap that outside knee, go right to side mount, and then work all of her side mount series, which is going to be by far better than Mazzani's. So I'm actually really comfortable here with Ostovich. I think by far she's way better on the ground. Mazzani shouldn't be in the UFC, but neither should Ostovich. More than enough on that one. Which one of these ladies are you choosing to wrestle with? Ugh, this is the worst fight, honestly. Because I think that Ostevich it doesn't have enough ground game to submit Mazzani at her level. And I think Mazzani doesn't have enough stand-up to punch out Ostevich at her level. And neither of them are at the level of what I want to be watching in the UFC. So, shit. I'm going to go with Mazzani purely on the her... Um, her man... I don't even love it. <laughs> I just think it's going to be so boring that she's just going to land like five more strikes and two more rounds. I got a Mazzani decision. I am going to stay so far away from this. I think even the winner only gets 45 points. I, I actually am going with a submission round number three, Ostovich. So at 7600 on DraftKings a plus 105 I can give me another underdog Mazzani 8600 you're not going to be playing Mazzani anywhere on DraftKings I have never played Mazzani and it, I'm not going to start in 2020 you're you know what I should start in 2020 she'll probably knock that bitch out in round 1 and I'll be like <laughs> what it's that kind of year I put Mazzani as my linchpin <laughs> brave very very brave uh I'm going to go with really light. I'm going to play very little cards this weekend coming up. But Agree. in my parlays, Ostovich is going to be in there. It's someone I'm going to target. I got submission round number two. More The more and more I'm thinking about it there. Super, super gross fight. Then we have a much funner one in here at 135 pounds where we got Martin Day coming in against Anderson Dos Santos. Dos Santos in here is 20 and 8 coming off a two-fight losing streak. He debuted in the UFC against Nad Naramani, where he lost a decision, and then lost to Andre Ewell in a decision as well a year, five months ago. I mean, Santos just kind of plots forward. Um, his eight losses have come by submission and knockout. Got to watch a couple of those as well. I mean, DeSantos at 35 doesn't 
isn't coming in with anything new, moves forward into punches or eat a shot to give a shot on the ground. I don't want to say he's good because a lot of those regional guys he were beating weren't that good. So when he's in here against the Nad Naramani or even a Ewell who's not that good on the ground, Dos Santos doesn't look like he has anything for them. So I would think Martin Day would have more than enough ground game coming out of the elite Hawaii. I know they train over with those 808 guys. Um, definitely having a much better ground game from what we've seen. But the boxing as well for Martin Day, the eight and four fighters also coming off a two-fight losing streak. This is a pink slip type of a fight. Whoever loses this one is getting out of here. Day, though, is coming off of a knockout to Davey Grant four months ago. Prior to that, lost a split decision to Pling Lu, which was very, very close over there in China. If it was anywhere else, they would have probably won. But Day, Martin Day also had a really tough weight cut, which he tends to at 5'10". And it's really interesting that Dos Santos is 5'5", and they have the same reach at 70 inches. So Dos Santos got some gorilla arms on him there, really throwing that straight right. It's his moneymaker. That's what Dos Santos does well. He throws a straight right down the middle. He'll eat a shot, uh, but he'll be able to hurt guys, and that's what gets it going. But that's all he has is like one and two punch combinations. Don't really like tons of that. Day, as we're saying, the boxing's good. He's got power. The thing is that Martin Day's chin is a little iffy in there. Davey Grant, who's a submission guy, Broke his jaw. Martin Jay broke his Martin Day broke his jaw, but then got knocked out with a left hook. Where I've seen on other fights, that left hook is always open on Martin Day. He just when he gets into pocket exchanges, he just kind of lags a little bit there and he just can't take it. That weight cut I do think is affecting him though, as I'm saying. And I really don't like that he was out cold. Go back and watch that Davy Grant fight. Day was night night. Four months ago. We like to give these guys like six to eight months in there. By far, Martin Day is the better fighter. He should be a two-to-one favorite here. But yeah, I cannot trust that chin, especially this close against the guy whose real only shot is a puncher's chance. So I can't bet Dos Santos, but uh, give me Day decision. Big fat, stay away. The, the, it's too big of a favorite for the things I've seen on tape. So... Who do you think you're going to take out of these two? I'm fun, actually fun going with this Sato decision. I think the people he's gone up against the UL fight to me is the biggest of any of the names. Any of them going three rounds with Andre Ewell is the biggest accomplishment either guy has. So uh-huh. give me Dos Santos decision. I think he only gets better leaps and bounds better from that fight. And Davy Grant has, or um, Martin Day has yet to show me anything inside the UFC that I'm, I'm still skeptical of if he's UFC caliber. So I'd, a guy that goes three rounds with Ewell, I'm like, give me that dude over a guy that I'm like, I don't even know where you're at. I like what you're saying. And I would even say, I like that. I think that that Nad Naramani is by far the best win out of any of those guys that they faced. Nad's a sneaky, sneaky, tough fight in there. Um, but I like what you're saying on DraftKings. Martin Day is going to be 8,800 against Dos Santos, 7,400. I can't trust Day at that much. So I'm going to be playing Dos Santos on my DraftKings at 7-4. I'm going to need some guys more expensive later on. But if Dos Santos wins, it's more than likely going to be in that first round with a big right. But it's uh, four months ago. Go back and watch that knockout and be like, oh, yeah, you're I, <laughs> most people. <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> 
hey, man, you should take a little time off. I know you're young, but still, brutal, brutal finish. So really fun one, actually. One of the funner ones throughout the night is that Day versus Dos Santos. Uh, so the line's off there on Day. If you want to make a bet on Dos Santos, I think you're definitely on the right side of that. One that you're going to be on need to be on the right side of here at 135 pounds for the bantamweight women's division. We got Ashley Evans-Smith coming against Norma Dumont. Dumont in here, 4-1, and one, losing to Megan Anderson, TKO right cross eight months ago. Dumont, everyone's saying they couldn't fight tape. I remember watching tape on this young lady. It was only in jiu-jitsu matches, though. There is no MMA tape on Dumont. Oh, I think there was maybe like one strike landed in one of her grappling matches, but she's definitely a thick girl. She definitely could probably move down to 135. Those legs are just holding a lot of weight for her. So she's not super athletic, doesn't have the best takedown defense. Even on the ground, I believe she was only like a blue slash purple belt. And at the on the Brazilian scene, I mean, it was competitive matches on the ground. So I'm really flabbergasted that Ashley Evans-Smith, a lady who's been in there against UFC-level competition and won, is a near-even, if not an underdog on some books. I mean, Ashley Evans-Smith last lost to Angela Lee in a decision. She beat Beck Rawlings, which is garbage. Morass she lost to. Vieira she lost to. Beat Macedo. But the 33-year-old is a longtime wrestler, has much more output, much more power. It's just seen a lot more than in the octagon. Uh, this is a really low-level fight as far as, or low-level fighter as far as Norma. And we really saw that against Megan. When you make Megan Anderson get a title shot, <laughs> like, it's the same as Avila against Mazzani, where it's like, Avila's the next thing. No, 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 no. It's that Mazzani's that bad. Dumont's that bad. You could see it. Go back and watch a little bit of that fight. Evan Smith should run. I'm surprised she's not a two to three to one favorite right now. So I'm just betting Evan Smith everywhere. I love her everywhere here. I agree with you. Ashley Evan Smith, the reason that her record looks so bad and that she's such a big underdog is like, I this is not real, but she probably lost to Amanda Nudes, Ronda Rousey, and Valentina Shevchenko. Like, if you look at her losses, they're against people that you're like, oh my gosh, those are the queens. Um, so the other girl, no offense to her, but she ain't where Ashley Evan Smith is. Ashley Evan Smith is kind of like Angela. That's the wrong comparison. Like maybe like a Michelle Watterson where, but she just came in at the wrong time. So she just, we just got to see her lose, 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 lose. But if Ashley Evan Smith's skill set, if she were a little younger and she got to hone her skills a little more, she's not a bad fighter. She's really well-rounded. She just was going against slayers. So I think there should be no reason she can't pull this out by a very comfortable decision win. Like all three rounds, 30-27 type shit. That's, that's exactly what I see. I'd see a 30-27 easy and, again, just baffled. The team Oyama standout has been in there with Herring, Esparza. I mean, those are her day-to-day -day training partners. Who who else is coming out of team Oyama that we've just been highlighted uh, recently? Alex Perez, other 135-pound, 25-pounders. So she's putting in real work over here against Dumont's Brazilian camp that I got nothing nothing to see. Couldn't find anything other than those jujitsu matches. So Evan Smith, 
I'm more than happy to take at 8,300. Again, betting lines, she's a slight underdog against Dumont, 7,900, the slight favorite, minus 110. Give, I mean, this is one where 30-27, but with the amount of positions and just pitter-patter that uh, Smith can land, 8-3 is steep, but I think she can get in that 70 to 80 points, uh, if not finish early. I can see myself playing at 8-3. Ashley Evans-Smith as kind of a... Sneaky fight that a lot of people are going to stay away from. But if there's a finish, I only see it being on Smith's side. So give me that on DraftKings as well for 8,300. Any exposure on that one? If I'm going to pick one of the ladies that we've talked about so far tonight, I'm definitely going with Ashley Evans-Smith. So far. I have a, I don't know why and everybody else would be like, what? We all love Angela Hill. And I'm like, me too. But Ashley Evans-Smith is in that same boat for me. She's... um. Even on her worst day, she still gets me 40 points. It's rare. Like, for her to just get clobbered is a rarity. She's a Leslie Smith. She's a Leslie Smith type girl. Mm-hmm. I agree. She She's much more methodical, so. Oh, my gosh. My- I have to tell you something funny. So, you know, I, have to, I talk conspiracy shit all the time online. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so one time I'm on my Twitter, and I'm talking on my Twitter, and somebody wants to talk something smart back that I just put them a whole bunch of facts and websites they can look at. And I was like, you really don't know anything. Like you're like, you're giving me a CNN like headline. Here's a whole bunch of like DOJ, FBI. Here's a bunch of .gov websites. Yeah. Yeah, Here's some shit to look into. The real stuff. They wrote back to me. (laughs) I don't know anything. Be careful. I know you do your podcast in Leslie's basement. Because on Lat B, it says location, Leslie Smith's basement. (laughs) And I'm like, thank you for validating that you know nothing. (laughs) I'm like, do you know who Leslie Smith is, you jackass? Hashtag Project Spearhead. Hashtag casual as well. I know. Get out of here, you fucking asshole. Can you imagine trying to Clinton threaten me with Leslie Smith's basement? (laughs) How dare you? Get out of here. (laughs) Sorry, I just thought it was funny. funny. (laughs) You're the only one that would get it if I talked about all the weird conspiracy shit that happens with that specific one. (laughs) Getting into the main card, I thought you were going to talk about the conspiracy theories that Spike Carlisle was talking about. He had to have the UFC ask him to take down some of those. I don't think they asked him, but he did. He put up a right after he won one of his fights, some uh, anti-Masonic, anti-Hasidic type of post and then took it down and was like, "Ooh, I didn't know what that really meant. But it was definitely New World Order type of stuff that Spike Carlisle's into. If he's posting anything like that, I guarantee you he knows exactly what you're talking about, Janie. He goes deep. deep. <laughs> I, the alpha ginger. I think that the dangerous part that I'm starting to realize, if you're anti any one sect of people because you think your sect of people's right, your brain is going to blow up. Like, whatever, whenever you think you've got to the like, oh, I know it's a country and a religion. It's these people. Like, you're halfway there. <laughs> like, because yeah. I remember being there too, where you hit this wall of like, oh my gosh. But it's like, no, 
it's still like there's still a curtain in front of the puppet master between the puppet and the curtain. So um, <laughs> for that shit, I see on my own pages when I see some people write some crazy people go hard in the paint about shit and I don't feel they're educated enough in it to have be anti any ist or ick because they don't know what they're talking about. And it's just a really uh-huh. nerve wracking line that I try to steer clear from it. And I go deep. I like, I like to go deep, but I just, um, I can understand. Usually I'm like freedom of speech, but I can understand for the UFC that they're like, dude, maybe this is saving your own. Cause I like Spike Carlisle. He's a crazy little weird dude that it's like, you don't want to sometimes, and I've done it too, where you're posting conspiracies. You don't mean to be racist. Right. You don't, you're not trying right, to right, be, right. you're really like, holy shit, you guys, I just discovered this. But then you don't understand that there's also this whole sect of um, the community that's hoping that conspiracy is there so that people are racist. <laughs> so I can under, usually I'm like the freedom of speech girl, but I get that one. Definitely in there. So that's going to start off the main card with Bill Algie over Spark Kyle. Also the fight pick championships. If you're here, they're alpha and all of those mark heads in there. I know what you're doing. Getting the best picks in the game here. It's been a rough one. Been getting some low scores overall, but we officially had MMA marks overtake the alpha in the number one spot. Number one stunner, Ricky, also known as the Black Brad Pitt, coming in hard. <laughs> Is he the Black Brad Pitt? <laughs> That's so fucking awesome. Because, uh, <laughs> um, wait, let me think of the other uh, dude. I couldn't think of it quick enough. Um, to oh yeah, I was gonna say I thought it was um, the Benicio del Oreo. <laughs> But yeah, how do so, you feel about somebody else being first place besides me and Alpha? <laughs> I only wasn't one week, but I just put myself in with him. I'm the only person that ever okay overcome the Alpha so far, right? Truth. So so far, I want to know. I don't know if men will be as honest, but I feel like it's nerve wracking for Ricky right now to be in first place. But it's by a hefty lead. There's only one way where there's you know you're only coming for the top. Everyone's coming for the crown. And if you're there, target's on your back. You better be ready to move, Ricky. Move. So definitely a fun fight pick championships. We're getting to the near end of this. By the end of the year, we are going to crown a mini champ, if you know what I'm saying in here. But this main card is Have you seen be the belts yet? I, I got a glimpse of the mini belt. It looks pretty rad. It's pretty I can't fucking wait my cool. Little belt. <laughs> ah, that's the best collar ever. Well, you know, Valentina would need a belt. (laughs) Definitely. Maybe. We'll see. There's still the names, the verdict's still out there. But Uh, Did you try Zelda yet? I don't like that one. I don't either. I like Z's, but I like Z's just because of the other dog. But uh, Zelda is, I don't like A and Dean like that. Sounds too harsh. Absolutely. Uh, Definitely. Super harsh. 
Bill Algio versus Spike Carlisle, though. The Kings MMA standout, 9-2 and two fighter, came in and last lost to Billy Quarantilo. Big underdog we had here at the fight, guys, five months ago. Prior to that, knocking out Alon Cruz. The Taekwondo stylist is at the training lab, but he's been at Kings MMA. I've watched him training with Darius and Giga Jigatsi in there, so you know the striking and ground games on point for Carlisle as of late. Actually shoots... Shot three takedowns in his last fight against uh, Quarantilo. But that gas tank in that third round really got... And that's the first round, Carlisle won until the last 10 seconds when he got up, turned around, and then got dropped with a punch because he lapsed in time. And then the ref says, fight to the end of the round. He's like, sorry, ref, sorry. Like, what? You just got knocked down in a fight. So uh, the first end of... <laughs> Third round, he lost because of that gas tank. But Carlisle showing some solid wrestling in there. Having, other than the gas tank issues that Quarantilo was able to exploit, having good strike selection, being really crafty, even though he tends to be a really short guy at five foot eight, um, he actually gets his leg kicks up there pretty high. Alan Cruz, who's also a 6'1, 6'2 guy, got him with a head kick. Carlisle's not scared to strike with anyone in there and he has tons of power when he hits you as well it's whether you can just take that barrage and keep on going and the 13 and 5 fighter bill algio came in on short notice replacement and fought ricardo lamas lost a decision two months ago prior to that he was on the contender series and lost to brendan lohane in a contender series of the year fight Algio's good all-arounder. He's fighting out of Pennsylvania. Algio MMA, he's the, the, one of the main coaches there. Nobody, I didn't see any footage of him training with anybody of recognition, even him going out to grappling tournaments. So it looks like he's just been training at home. But going back and watching that Lamas fight, I mean, on the ground, there was really good scrambles and Algio was holding his own against, I think, a very underrated ground submission expert. As Ricardo Lamas, a lot of people thought Algio was going to get completely blown out. Lamas was on the tail end of his career. He did retire after that. But uh, Algio gave a good showing of himself, eating big shots, staying in it, having good cardio in there. I really like the ups, the stepping knee that he has in there at six foot. He throws it well. He'll grab the back of that clinch as well. And the thing is that Algio gets taken down a little too much. It was Ricardo Lamas, but even in other fights, Algio is just okay with being up off his back and using his length to try to get submissions. That just doesn't work so much in the UFC. So at distance, this is a super fun fight. Algio being a good long rangey striker against the same in Carlisle. It's just a power. It's really going to favor Carlisle here. But grappling, uh, it's going to be more of the wrestler versus jiu-jitsu guy. And I think Carlisle can outhold the position. I have this as a coin flip. I had Algio earlier in the week, but really at, right before all of this, getting in and seeing that uh, Carlisle's living out of his van with his wife and his dog out of King's MMA, he's all the way in. I mean, so is Algio having his own camp, but Carlisle is specifically training with the best guys in the world on purpose so give me spike carlisle in a decision fight this is super fun i'm really excited for this one give me the minus 165 favorite who are you taking in this bout um i'm gonna go with spike carlisle too by a decision i don't it i was kind of high on this guy i don't know if i just love a redhead because of my irish blood um but 
he didn't really impress me when in his first time in, but not that Algio did either. I expect Algio's uh, cardio to be a little better here. So I do think this will be like a 29-28. I do think it'll be one round will go one way and two rounds will go to the other. I also expect Carlisle to burn the fuck out. He's just one of those really built dudes that um, I, I imagine him to be slow going in the third. So this mm-hmm. could be um, tedious, this fight, where uh, I'm nerve-wracked a little bit the whole way, but I do think because of Carlisle's power, um, we see the way the judges are going, these smaller octagons and everything like that. So give me Carlisle decision. I think he can hurt him enough. I don't think Algio is a guy that has a weak chin. So I think the hurt, I don't know if it's necessarily behooves Carlisle to follow Algio down. So if they stay on the feet, this will be a long fight. Uh, the power of Carlisle will wear away. And I think Algio will be okay on the feet come the end. So, uh, 29-28 Carlisle decision. Definitely a close one in there as we're having it. On DraftKings, Carlisle's going to be 8,900 against Algio, 7,300. Uh, I actually like Algio as far as a play potentially, especially if we see it go into decision. I did like his volume in that Lamas fight. Um, ugh, I'm going to go 10 and 10%. Just because it's, I feel like Carlisle's a little expensive. If I think it going to a decision, it would be more uh, the dog as far as DraftKings. If I want to save money, but I don't think I need to. Feel like we've saved money early off, early on throughout the night. So that'll give me spots here to be able to play some of these other guys that I want to. And at 170 pounds, one that I might look into here, we got Miguel Beza coming in and coming in against Takashi Sato. Sato's been flopped around all over the place. Last beating Jason Witt four months ago, he had, I believe, one or two fights fall out due to corona, and he's kind of been just trapped in the States. Not trapped, I believe he's been over at the uh, Performance Institute, living in Vegas, getting ready for just a fight to come up, and this was one that came around the books, and he was willing to take. Prior to that uh, Witt fight that he had, who which Witt came in short notice uh, and got dominated, has come back since in a finished his last opponent prior to that losing to leo muhammad in a submission beating ben saunders in a tko which means nothing also having some other uh pancrease matches that ben saunders fight going back and watching that ben saunders uh had sato in all sorts of trouble at one point in time landing an elbow and just some really good uh, punching combinations in there sato tends to leave his head just a little straight up there he throws a one two but that's it it jab straight right Jab straight right, doesn't switch. Sato's a sprawling brawl type of a guy. He does have openings on the ground, which we have seen uh, Balil Muhammad use that wrestling and just kind of style him in, style on him. Um, Sato being wit on short notice with that ground and pound going back, it was really weird. Um, wit just kind of fell into position and just got uh, hammer fisted and elbowed to oblivion there. But the lines really shifted here. Basic came in opening line as a huge favorite at minus 180 and the actual betting lines have almost completely shrunken to, Oh, never mind. I'm way wrong. They spiked a little earlier when I was looking at it. Minus 150 now is, um, Beza. He opened at minus 225. So a lot of money coming in on Sato here. A lot of people thinking that, uh, Beza, who is a young man as well with a perfect 9-0 and last beat Matt Brown in a TKO where he was also incredibly hurt. That was a fight of the night contender because both of those guys were swinging, swinging. I mean, 
Beza was bouncing off of that canvas, not off the canvas, off of the cage pretty well, set up by some good calf kicks um, both ways there. Beza actually likes to throw a ton of calf kicks, throws them hard, has a good jab, uses his wrestling in reverse to keep it striking, but on the ground, he's shown that he can win fights as well, but it's really just that that ground and pound, that heavy punch. And the reason I think people have been coming off of Beza is that We've seen him get super tired in both of his fights against Hector Aldana, which he won via leg kicks, and Matt Brown. I mean, even though he won that Matt Brown fight, it was a dogfight, and he was a big favorite. But it was also way closer than people had it. So I actually think that Sato is kind of a sitting duck as far as striking. If Sato can't get it to the ground and he chooses to strike at distance, I think Beza's just way better at moving in and out of range. And even on the ground, I think he has a much better top game. I'm surprised that the lines move this much. Give me Beza TKO round number two, because I think if it goes into three, Sato might have a chance. But I think it's going to be one-way traffic, especially after that calf kick really starts adding up on Sato. So I like Beza. I liked him as a big favorite. And now that they're giving me more better prices on him, I feel more comfortable putting him on more and more lineups. So give me Beza everywhere. TKO round number two. Who are you taking in this one? All right. I know we love Nardiev and I know we love Shabazian. Those two feelings are how I feel about Beza. I feel like Beza's the mm-hmm. next big thing. And maybe everybody knows that that's mm-hmm. super hardcore, but he's the guy no one knows about. He's a killer fighter. He's getting better every single time he's inside of the octagon. He gives us highlight clip for days. We've seen his chin tested where it was legitimately nerve-wracking like it in one of his first fights. Uh, I just think he's killer. I think he's getting bigger. I think he's filling in his muscle perfectly for the division. Um, I love everything he's doing. Uh, I almost feel like he is... Um, a version of uh, Burns, Gilbert Burns, but coming from it from the striker aspect instead of the um, grappling. I just love everything he's doing inside of there, and I can't believe how advanced he is for how few fights we've seen him inside the UFC. So give me basic KO around one. I think he just handles this everywhere. I think this is a highlight performance reel for him. I think he kicks that leg like you're saying. To clip Mm -hmm. that chin. Right. It sets it all up. Uh, I thought you were actually being a little facetious there. (laughs) Oh, no, I really mean it. At first, I didn't like Beza um, coming in to the, the, I remember his first fight inside the UFC um, and it just did not look great. And it gave me like a bad taste in my mouth, but then everything since he's just getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And I just love him. I love him. He's one of my favorites. Um. Well, you said Shabazian, and who was the other guy? Oh, I said um, Shemaya. Of, I said Nardiev and Shabazian, because those are our two favorite dudes. But I feel like you like Beza the same way as I like Beza, to put him up there as one of your dark horses. Well, but those guys, Nardiev's out of the UFC because he got beat too many times, and Shabazian just got flatlined by freaking Derek Brunson. Well, I just, I admit, <laughs> I out. But I mean that we both had these feelings of like liking these people that they were going to be up and comers. I feel like that feeling that I used to have for the Shabazian or that you had for Nardiev, I now have for Uh Beza. So, 
the MMA Masters disciple there is going to have a tough test ahead of him, but it's going to be a fun one. I'm actually pretty excited. That's one of the fights I'm most excited about the entire fight night is going to be Sato Beza. So definitely must watch UFC on that one. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying 8700 for Beza against Sato, 7500 I can't put Sato anywhere, but I've been saving up enough money to put Beza. I, I mean, I got to go only 40%. Anything, but I mean, my card limits, I might be in the 10 to like six range worth of cards. So <laughs> maybe four cards I put Bays on. I don't think you can trust anyone on this card so far. At heavyweight, 265 pounds, we got Josh Parisian coming in against Parker Porter. Porter coming in with a 10 and six record, last losing to Chris Dawkins three months ago, which we told you guys was going to happen. Prior to that, getting some CS wins losing infamously years ago to um who was it john jones on the regional scene and tom lawler but porter in here got some tits. In short Harry tits. on doc uh, against docus he came in on somewhat short notice and had to cut from 290 to 265 in like 14 days so porter had a little bit of a challenge but looking and watching him now uh he's definitely made changes from three months ago, getting finished brutally against Dawkins. Again, those fast hands telling you guys that we're going to be a problem. A lot of people not realizing that uh, Dawkins is going to be someone to look out for. But with that being said, um, I think a lot of people are undervaluing Porter. They're saying, oh, he got turned up. Hey, it was a really good guy in there. And Porter actually has some good takedowns. And on the ground is more than good enough to be able to uh, reverse position where he's going to have to because Josh Parisian comes in with 13-3 and three record coming off of the contender series where he won via ground and pound. A lot of his regional scene fight wins via TKO. They're not one-hitter quitters. They are the throw hammer fist until the guy on bottom is just like... And the ref is like, all right, do something. Do something. All right, TKO. But the guy... It's never out. He's just kind of overwhelmed. So Parisian comes in with a high uh, grappling acumen, likes to get fights to the ground, again, throw just tons of volume. They're not power shots. He doesn't throw. Parisian does not throw power shots. He throws a lot of spinning attacks as well, a lot of spinning back fists, a lot of even spinning calf kicks, because on the ground he just feels comfortable enough to be able to reverse the position. But that was, again, on all sorts of regional scene stuff. Now that it's you. UFC against UFC caliber opponent here. I just feel like the line's super off here. I can't flat out pick Porter at 35 years old, but I don't think that I'm comfortable picking Parisian anywhere. I want to say Porter submission in that second or third round, but I think I'm going to stay with Parisian just due to the activity, but I think it goes to decision. I don't think he finishes. I could be absolutely wrong, but this is a super disgusting fight, and I'm really surprised this one's on the main card. Ostevich Mazzani should be here, said these Whoa! guys. But that's the truth. That's me. That's <laughs> Way more experience. I'm actually going to go with Parisian KO round one. I think it's a setup fight for him to for them to build other guys in the division. I think that uh, Parker Porter is, um, hmm. I think that just Parisian, they're the, they're the, the shitty heavyweights that they just put in. Like who cares? It's never meant to go more than one round. They're just going to swing away. So the crowd gets a knockout. That's what I feel about this fight. And I'm just giving it to Parisian. Parisian eight or 9,000, even on DraftKings against Porter, 7,200. 
if you're brave enough to take either of those guys, good luck. Um, I'm going to be tentative on Parisian as far as my DraftKings. I'm really only going to play like two cards. Yeah, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Because then you have another outstanding matchup that you have to that you might want to put money on with Anthony Smith coming in against Devin Clark the short notice replacement is replacing Antigula one of those gulovs as well is Anthony Smith last the Lionheart came in two months ago and got calf kicked into oblivion by Rakic prior to that losing the Glover to Shara where he knocked out all of his damn teeth beating Gustafson in a submission his biggest win to date losing to John Jones Anthony Smith, we know what we're getting with a 32-year-old kickboxer. Horrible gas tank. Has one of the worst strike differentials in the game. Uh, not that good of takedown defense. He's regularly a guy who's losing a fight until he gets the submission finish over Hector Lombard, who was winning that fight against Gustafson. He was getting tuned up. I mean, Anthony Smith is always fu- having to fight his way into the fight where most of his opponents can just cruise to those wins. I mean, Anthony Smith is against Glover Teixeira after he blew himself out in the first minute. And it was one of those first COVID fights. And they're like, Oh, it was his corner. It was his corner. They told him to strike too much. So he gassed out. And it's like, it doesn't matter if your corner tells you or not, you gassed you absolutely gassed. And even in that, um, racket fight, I feel like Anthony Smith didn't want to gas so badly that he completely gave away the fight. And just let Rakic tee off on him at distance. The interesting thing here is that Devin Clark isn't a high output guy. He's not a big striker. He's a push you up against the fence. Big old brown burr. He's going to get them legs and he's going to push you into a sloppy, disgusting grind fest. Getting multiple takedowns and really relying on his wrestling as of late to get his wins. Last beating Alonzo Menafield as a humongous underdog. Prior to that, also beating Dequan Townsend. Losing the span in a submission. Stochic, he beat it in the decision also losing the racket, but Clark can take those punches. It's, uh, it's just a super ugly fight for all sorts of reasons. Anthony Smith is the better striker, but after the first round, it's just kind of down the tubes and Devin Clark will take a beating to just hold on to your hips and have his dad scream, bro, bro, the entire fight. You got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight. That's all you can ever hear in a Devin Clark fight. So I got the slight underdog here. Give me Devin Clark. I think he grinds out a disgusting dirty split. I think it goes 29-28 either fighter, but it's just a fade on Smith. I just, nothing I've seen in Smith's even that Gustafson fight. Yes, he won it, but go back and watch it. He was getting his ass kicked until he won that fight via submission. Uh, Gustafson retiring, rightfully so, after that. So definitely give me big bro bear Clark in this for the underdog spot who are you taking in this gross gross uh you know how i feel about devin clark (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go with anthony smith by submission here i think his devin clark just never never lays enough damage to ever uh puts any fighter in the kind of danger that anthony smith is been in his last fight devin clark also has a real weird problem with submissions he has this killer uh, takedown. He has these huge late. He doesn't even have a killer takedown. As big as the motherfucker is, he can't get anyone down. Mm-hmm. He's barely crawling his way mm-hmm. up the division. I feel like Anthony Smith's been up there with Slayers, 
the submitting of Gus is the only thing that's given him steam, but he does have an okay ground game uh, with submissions. I also think he's going to have better cardio than Devin Clark here. So I think he finds uh, that neck late in round three, maybe even late in round two submission for Anthony Smith. And I fucking hate saying that. You're absolutely right. Devin Clark is one of the few people we've seen tap to a rear naked choke with no hooks in. That's literally an arm crank down and you're out of the position. You have those hooks are so crucial. So I love what you're saying. I hate, Hate that fight. It's a big fat stay away for me. It would make me feel better in my heart to go with Devin Clark over Anthony Smith. I want to fade Anthony Smith because there's something about his attitude I don't like where there's something really sweet and endearing about bro. Um, but I just, it's like the most boring (laughs) fighter to watch against a guy that every once in a while has a highlight reel. So you really don't know what to do with these dudes. It's a gnarly one. On DraftKings, 8,500 for Anthony Smith, the slight favorite against Clark, 7,700. I mean, there's a big fat stay away on average. Anthony Smith, 58 points. Devin Clark, 54 points. This is a three-rounder in a smaller cage. People have been saying it's more advantageous for the grappler. And you're right. The better ground guy is Anthony Smith here. It's just whether Brown Bear holds him up against the cage for a whole three rounds. And then we have the heavyweight main event of the evening. We got Curtis Blades coming in against Derek Lewis. The Black Beast himself is 24-7. and is coming off a three-fight winning streak. Last beating Alexi Olenek of Lear Latifi and Evenoff. The Evenoff and Latifi... Super close fight, split decisions. Latifi fight was a flat-out robbery, which Derek Lewis called because they were in Texas. Uh, but he, I mean, knocked Alexi Olenek into another dimension. So that one's fair right there. He got knocked out to uh, Cormier, or submitted, and Dos Anjos in there. Derek Lewis is tons of power. Really interesting strike dynamic because Derek Lewis is a super low-output fighter, uses his wrestling in reverse. He'll sprawl and brawl to just land those punches. The really interesting part about Derek Lewis's output is that he has low output, but his opponents specifically, even if they're high output strikers, slow down. Francis Ngannou being one of those guys, because once Derek Lewis touches you once, you go, oh, I'm not going to jump right in there and just swing with this guy, because he hits super hard, super, super hard. And it's definitely been proven time and time again. Um, being on those highlight reels nonstop. Curtis Blades, a 14-2 and two fighters, only lost to Francis Ngannou by cut stoppage in TKO in China. Four-fight winning streak, beating Dos Santos, beating Volkov in a five-rounder as of late. I mean, we know what Curtis Blade wants to do, the elevation team standout. He'll take you down all day long, ground and pound you, throw tons of pressure, uh, sweep, sweep those legs up, get you back on the ground. A lot of people are saying that Derek Lewis has non-existent well he doesn't have real methods of getting back up to his feet he just kind of gets up when he wants to he's an anti-grappler guy he's like man that shit don't work i'll just stand up when i want to and he muscles some of those positions but where he gets marks at times mma marks (laughs) is that there absolutely is a technique he Derek lewis just understands and he does a very traditional post behind the armpit 
post on the ribcage and then he stands up. It's not just stand up. He doesn't just let a guy on top of him. There's absolutely some methodology. The thing is that it's only really two stand-ups. He'll go to the tripod, shake you off, or he'll put behind the armpit. He has also threaded the needle to spin out and get up, but that's very explosive. And once you start taxing on Derek Lewis, we've just seen his gas tank never be good. Against Curtis Blades, though, the wrestler, the thing that scares me is the uppercuts because anytime you have to clash in and get those, and it, it just it's heavyweight. There's there's that type of options. And if Francis Ngannou can knock out anyone, I mean, Derek Lewis is in that boat as well. And Derek Lewis just, he's cocked that uppercut to where if it doesn't land, he knows he's going to get taken down, but he doesn't mind because if it does land, it's night-night. And I feel like Blades, that exact uppercut is what caught him against Ngannou, his last loss. So Blades knows that he doesn't want to use his chin all that much. I got Blades' decision, but I'm going to hedge my bets. I think Derek Lewis is a much liver dog than people have it with the type of power, and he's shown it before. He's just somebody you can't, at this division, especially at heavyweight, that you can uh, always just fade. Give me Blades' decision. I think it turns into a boring, boring wrestling match, as does Derek Lewis, who said he wanted to wrestle. He didn't even want to strike. He's been working on his wrestling the entire camp. He's hoping that it goes a hard five on the ground because that's the funnest fight in his eyes. Literally, Derek Lewis' last interview. Fucking G. Love Derek Lewis. Best interview in the game. I got to think if I were a fighter, I would not give any part of my game plan out in any interview before my fight. I'm just saying. So I always think it's funny when anything that they say, like, he said he was going to do this. Like, I wouldn't even tell him. But um, Derek Lewis is a hard guy to get down. He has, his hips are so high that when you watch him actually sprawl against the cage when a guy's trying to get a, underhooks on him, it's the thing that Curtis Blades always uses to get all his opponents down. He is not going to be able to use it with Derek Lewis at all. And I think Derek Lewis's takedown defense is amazing. I also think Curtis Blades is chinny as fuck. There's only one mm-hmm. guy that I would put money on to hit the punching bag at the UFC training center as hard as Francis Ngannou, and it'd be Derek Lewis. I think mm-hmm. I would still have Derek Lewis to win in that fight. I know everyone has Ngannou because he – uh, knocked out some guy that knocked out somebody else and we don't remember his name and we by I mean me uh, Rosenstruck. Um, but Fran- Derek Lewis is doing the damn thing over and over again he's grinding he's still getting better his cardio is getting better and Curtis Blades is just stagnated he's never been anything different than we've seen and I feel like every time Derek Lewis walks inside there I feel like I've watched him do a what's it where they call it where you twist the arm backward uh, on the ground uh, arm bar? No, what? it's not an arm what? bar. It, it's when they twist the other way. What's the other thing on the arm? Uh, Kimura? Kimura. I feel like I've seen him do weird shit on the ground that we're like, is Derek Lewis trying for a submission attempt right now? Um, mm-hmm. I just, his game plans get it gets better every time. His ring IQ gets better every time. And he's one of the few dudes in there. That just seems like home is inside the octagon. I don't feel any stress from him. I think he keeps his heart rate super chill. And if I were in both those dudes' shoes, if I'm looking across the octagon at the other dude, I got to think Curtis Blades is the one that's going to have to control his heartbeat. Um, So give me Derek Lewis all day. Team Texas, go big Derek Lewis. And you know what I want the most is um, 
Give me some killer ass speech about Ron Rousey's fine ass. It's been a while. <laughs> April said he can't no more. He can't. April said she she lock it up. He then, said that years ago. He's like, I want some killer killer thread about April. Like let let's hear some G shit about April. I think she's off limits as well. I think she he's she's like you can't talk about me or Ron. Like you better stop. <laughs> but uh, I actually uh, like what you're saying. As I'm saying, the line's off here. It's way too big of a favorite. Derek Lewis has absolutely got a puncher's chance in here. But uh, Blaze coming in with that elevation fight team, I do think the calf kicks are going to play a little bit of a factor in here at range because that's going to be the best strike for Blades if he's not shooting. Or once Derek Lewis sprawls heavy like we're talking about, I think Blades is going to back off and just kind of do a pitter-patter type of decision strike and match. Interesting matchup for heavyweight. Yes, there's title implications, but Derek Lewis is fighting for a paycheck more than anything. Blades is the one who's more looking for that belt out of the two. On DraftKings, you're going to end up having to pay 9300 for Curtis Blades against Derek Lewis's 6900 I mean, you can't stack this. We like to stack five rounders, but not this heavyweight type of a bout. But I think I like Derek Lewis more here at 6-9. I do too. I Curtis Blades, his normal fight style where he gets a lot of points is takedown, 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 yep. where we see three, four, five of them in a fight. I just don't think a guy I, – I think Derek Lewis is his actual equal as far as size is concerned. So sweeping mm-hmm. a guy off his feet with just the getting the double underhooks and picking him up and putting him down, I don't think we're going to see that over and over again. And the other thing you were mentioning about Derek Lewis is he does have, like, you know, very simple techniques of getting up, but he's so smart with how he uses those. Yes. He really – Fucking take he's patient he's not one he's not like a lot of fighters we've seen like a Barboza versus Khabib where let me get up again to get taken down get up again to get taken down get up again to get he's really smart and when he gets up it's explosive and he gets the guy off of him it, it, it is a one-time thing and so for Blades to have to get in even for that second takedown we're just not going to see the accumulation of points that we're used to seeing from him Derek Lewis will not allow it unless he gives up mm-hmm. at the end but I just can't picture that Definitely an interesting heavyweight matchup in there. It is way closer than the lines have it. So if you're playing the underdog there, good luck to you. Even the favorite, because I think people are going to sweat. If you're betting three to one on Blades, as soon as he gets hit two times, you're going to be like, oh shit, my money. Yeah, yeah. Be super careful on that one. Um, Definitely. We got other fight nights on the way. We got other pay-per-views on the way that has much more looking. I feel like the whole night was just kind of stay away. Don't bet this. Don't bet. Just watch. Just watch. Dare I say, if you need a break from MMA, this is going to be the week to maybe just sit back and watch. Hey, maybe I got a little fatigue. Maybe Cavillio Chukagian did the end. Okay, apparently, I didn't miss all that much with uh, Tim Means and then that other bout. <laughs> it was a good it was, it was actually a decent fight night i felt like the main event was fucking killer shevchenko she went out there and did shevchenko but it was interesting to see her in the second round get held down for the whole fight by somebody extremely larger than her but then watch such a minimal amount of damage actually get to be laid like how smart she was with her her cardio with being on the bottom of this big bull of a woman um And it was kind of interesting listening to Joe Rogan in D.C. And I even made mention to it on my Twitter. Like uh, they sound like they're uh, voting for their 
athletic kid at hockey practice. Oh, he got one. Oh, my God. He just hit her. Like, it, it just sounded like such a surprise uh-huh. that um, it was like when Ayal Quinta got that one round from Khabib, it was the same right. feeling to me. Like Surprise. Yeah. The what? I took away more than anything was Joe Rogan was high as fuck and go back and watch the beginning of that fight night. Joe Rogan was baked the entire fight. It was awesome. So I feel like he's going to, I don't know why I feel like Joe Rogan might step away from fights soon. Maybe I'm wrong. But, I'm feeling it. I just, yeah, dude, I like he's doing my so conspiracy much. head uh, with Joe Rogan and the guests we have not seen anywhere near his show and the people we used to see on his show every other week, the people that I know that they're touring with comedy and still not going on Joe's show. I know people that have had dinner with Joe and still not gone on his show. And we used to see him every other week on his show. So I feel like there is something so tricky with Spotify that I would not be surprised how much longer he's allowed to, unless Spotify with ESPN is like, we keep Joe Rogan around. But I, I feel like as far as um, whatever this narrative pushes that Joe Rogan's a part of, I just can't imagine that Dana and the boys are going to play ball with Joe Rogan for very much longer. Ah, we'll see. He says it's a labor of love, so definitely looking like he was loving it over the weekend for sure. Do you see that one part he tried to talk shit about some judge about something? Like, I don't know how they have it was a girl fight for sure. And they were like, I don't know how they have her up. What are the what judges looking at that? And DC was like, Don't get me in trouble, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. DC's gotta work for a living. Yeah, don't get me in trouble, world. Joe. He's like, Don't get me in trouble on here with the, my bosses why you don't need to be a company man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So definitely a fun one at the heavyweights level here. 11 bouts. There's going to be some sketch city, but there's going to be some good Instagram shots. Ostevich is going to be looking leaner than ever. Those butt implants are going to be looking all sorts of lumpy. You can be sure on that. I'm into Anything it. With any left of the fans. Thank Ed. Thanks everyone for listening along. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think if you're going to miss a fight night for the rest of the year, this is your fight night. This is the one. Make it a four-day weekend. Go camping. Unplug. Get off the black mirrors. You will not miss anything. All the highlights will be on Twitter. I think uh, it it would behoove you. Get outside. Do something active. Go fishing. I don't know. But (laughs) this would be the weekend to miss. I can't even think. After we went through all those fights, I can't think of one I'm excited about seeing right now. Beza, that Beza fight was the only one that I can just to watch Beza. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So definitely more than enough on all that. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you can. We don't say that enough over at the fight guys for sure. Thanks for the ride. Thank you. The fight guys. Bye bye.